0: Let's uh, let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter four. Just kind of have it ready to go. Kind of got to prime the pump a little bit. Have you ever heard that expression, "prime the pump"? Huh? You know what it means? How many of you know? How many of you country people know what that means? Anybody? A couple of you did. Well, what they had was uh, these old hand pumps. Um, if you had to prime it, what you had to do is you had to get a bucket of water, and you had to pour it down the top because you had to create a suction there, and then you could pump it. So, you know, sometimes we have to kind of prime the pump on our own life. We kind of have to pour a little water in there, kind of get things going so we can start, you know, getting some productivity there, prime the pump, because uh, you can pump all day long. I remember my granddad had a pump that was needed primed, and I'm out, there. he says, go out there and get a bucket of water, and I'm out there just, I'm going to town. I'm pumping harder and faster, you know, and nothing's coming out, and he walks out laughing. You know, what are you doing? I'm pumping water. It must be deep, Granddad. No, we got to prime the pump. Pour a little water on the top of that thing. Man, i got instant water coming out of that dude, right? You know? So we got to prime the pump a little bit. Um, you know, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the church. We're going to try to cover some of these things tonight in the area of obedience. But I put two things over here. You might want to just kind of jot this down. It's just a simple way to remember some of this. I, I'm a visual learner. Um, and that's why I think I like the board. It kind of helps me. Um, But I put down here the Holy Spirit. These are just some of the things that he brings. He brings power, okay? He brings the presence of God, doesn't he, in our life. Uh, Gifts, we're talking about spiritual gifts here. Wisdom, insight, memory. Remember he says I'll bring to remembrance all the things you've spoken. Glorify Jesus, okay? These are just some of the things. But watch this now. When I'm filled with the Spirit of God, and I'm going to explain that in just a second, when I'm filled with the Spirit of God, all of these things come with that filling. So it's not like, you know, I got a little bit of power, a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of glorifying Jesus going on in my life. Now, let me put another one here. Fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? Got all those? Okay, sometimes we go through the list and we go, you know, I got a little bit of joy, a little bit of uh, peace, but not much patience. Okay. So. Whenever we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it's always singular. It's never plural. It's not the fruits. It's not the nine qualities. It is what the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is. When he is in me, I have all nine of those functioning. When I have five of those functioning, then I'm not really walking in, in the fullness of the Spirit of God at that moment. Because the Bible kind of likes to put us Christians in two categories. He talks about us being spiritually minded, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 16 and 17. Or he talks about us being carnally minded, which means fleshly. We kind of do our own thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Okay? Now, the word fill here, okay, the filling of the Spirit is the Greek word pleroma. It means to be under the control. Okay? So if uh you know, let's just suppose let's use this as an example. If let's suppose you never drank any alcohol in your life and you took one glass of wine or or something else you would feel the effects of it now maybe if you were an experienced drinker you could drink two or three okay i don't know but anyway but the idea is you're under the influence the idea of the filling is to be under the influence to where the spirit of god affects your your life that's what it means to be filled so don't make this super complicated Is he controlling my life? Is he affecting my life in these ways? Do, am I expressing in my life the fruit of the Spirit of God in me? Now, how many times do I need to be filled with the Spirit? As often as I leak. Now watch this. As often as I leak. What happens? When I'm, when I'm, if I'm, We're talking talking about the resonance of the Holy Spirit, okay? So sometimes terminology throws us a little bit. Holy Spirit comes to live in me. He's always there, right? But what I need to do is I need to be walking in his fullness. So what happens is I get away from the Lord a little bit, and what do I need to do? I need to be under the influence again, see? That's the idea, okay? So he's always resident, but he's not always reigning. So Jesus can be um, Lord, but not Lord of my daily life. Does that kind of make sense? So I want to walk in the fullness of God. That way, when I'm walking in the fullness of God, am I experiencing God then? I am. If I'm not walking in his spirit, operating by the fruit, then I, I really can't experience, you know, the power that God wants me to have. I, I'm not aware of the presence. And I think a lot of people, honestly, in the Christian faith, they, they, they're unsatisfied because of a lack of knowledge. They just don't know, how do I get here? I know how it feels to be empty. I know how it feels to be frustrated. I know how it feels to be disobeying God. How do I get here? And this is kind of the idea of a word sanctify, okay? So I'm going to do a little bit of... Can you see this board okay? Is it, is it, is it all right? Okay. If I, if I take the word justify... Justification, you can take Greek words and you can actually diagram them like this. Okay, the word justify is something, let's put this up here, it's something that happened in the past, but I'm always justified before God. So once you, when you, came to faith in christ you were justified god said you're just now not because you're always good but you're just because you believed on me and i justified you and that ha- that justification has an effect in my life until i die now there's another word and it's the word sanctifying we can diagram it too and it looks like this how many times do i need to be sanctified well many times as i'm un. So sanctify means to set myself apart. I want to set myself apart. How often do I need to do that? As often as I need to. 20 times a day if you need to. Once a day if you need to, right? Okay. I'm going to say, God, I want to live for you today. And when I get myself in that position, see, now I'm a prime candidate for what? Walking in the spirit of God. Third word is the word glorify. It's something that happens at the end of this whole process. And all of these are, are, are really related to salvation and what it means to, to walk with God. So one day I will be glorified. Okay. Am, if, if you're a Christian, are you saved? Are you fully saved? It's a bit of a trick question here. Okay. Okay, there's a sense in which I was saved. That's past, right? There's a sense in which I am saved right now. But there's a sense in which I will be fully saved saved and redeemed right see past present future salvation has all those tenses just because i'm not fully saved doesn't mean i'm not saved it's kind of like when the train comes in you know the conductor says trains here is that true true but it's not all the truth is it right because not all the trains there yet so you haven't even though you experienced god you haven't been glorified yet so it's going to get better So what does Paul say in Corinthians? He says, you know, right now, he said, um, there is this, this process of where I go from one degree of glory to another, and that comes from the Spirit of the Lord. We all with unveiled faces are beholding in a mirror the glory of God and being transformed into his likeness. You know what we do? We go from glory to glory to glory to glory until finally we're in glory. Isn't that cool? So, see, that's sanctification. That's this transformational thing that God does little by little. And that's why sometimes you're not as aware of your progress in your Christian faith as somebody else. Somebody else, you know, that you haven't seen them for, they haven't seen you for a year. And then you're talking to them, you're talking about God and what God's doing in your life. And they go, wow, you've really changed. Oh, have I? Yeah, it's really noticeable. I remember I was I played football with a guy named Jim Euros and Jim was uh, not a Christian and every time I see him even to this day, um, and he's my daughter's dentist. It's hilarious, right, out in Denver. But even to this day, he goes, "What happened to you?" And then I'll have to tell him the whole Jesus story again. He goes, "Yeah, I know I've heard that, but what happened to you? Because you're different." And every time he says, "You're different." What's different? I don't know. There's something different. I tell him, yeah, I don't get it, okay? Because he can't see things because he doesn't have the spirit of God, right? So he doesn't have the wisdom to see those things yet. And I'm praying he will. And we're all working on him. Okay. Now, when we start talking about the church, the church is the body of Christ, right? So think about it like this. We are, if I could just take my human body here and say, this is, my body is like the church. I'm not a very pretty bride. I'm sorry. Okay. But, you know, okay, here's this, here's this, this bride right here, Okay. But what really controls this bride is what? The head, right? So Christ is the head and we are individually members and sometimes in the in the in the in the Bible it equates us to like arms and hands and feet and right and you know sometimes we got like servant kind of gifts and sometimes we have different kind of ministry gifts and so he's equating all of that stuff. But all of that is is secondary if we don't have this, right? If we're not walking in this. Because what happens, let's say I take a gift, but I'm not walking the Spirit. Let's say I have the gift of mercy, but am I merciful when I'm not walking the Spirit? No, I'm mean. You know, I'm mean. I'm not acting like that. So we want to empower all of these, uh, these gifts. So let's go into the book of Ephesians for a moment and just take a little quick look through this. We'll take a few minutes and stay a little bit because um, when we experience God, we experience God corporately too, right? Not just individually. You want to experience God, but we want to experience God together. Amen? Okay, Ephesians chapter 4. And let's just look at a a few verses here and we'll kind of jump around a bit if it's okay with you. Um, Let's go to, um, let's just start in verse 1. A prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of your calling with which you were called. Okay, what's your calling? Okay, you're supposed to be worthy in it, but what is your calling? Well, I'm called to, to be a Christian, right? I'm called to follow the Lord. I'm car, you know, okay. And here's how you do that. You do it with lowliness, gentleness, long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Why do you think Paul had to write that? Because we don't normally naturally do that. Do you normally just kind of get up and say, I just want to be lowly today? Just man, I can't wait to be gentle. I can't wait for somebody to say something to me so I can be long-suffering. I can't wait to bear up with people that are idiots. Do you ever say that? You don't, nobody, nobody in their right natural mind would say that. But in your spiritual heart, what would you say? You know, I need to follow after the, call, the calling that I have that Jesus was Guess Was Jesus any of those things? You think he was lowly? He was God, a very God, and he humbled himself. He was gentle, long-suffering, bearing with others, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Okay, all of that precedes verse 4. That means it must be important, right? There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called into one hope of your calling. What a transition. Why would he tell us that? Because church church, don't get too big on yourself. Individuals, don't get too big on yourself. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all who is above all and through all, okay? I got to get that. That's my foundational piece, right? Now, look what he builds from there, verse 7. Now, to each of us, the grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. So, when were these gifts given? Remember, Christ ascended, okay, little diagram, And what did he do? He sent the Holy Spirit, but in saying the Holy Spirit, he's sending gifts as well. So with this comes spiritual gifts in addition to all this other stuff. We can't just function with one of these. We have to function with all this stuff, right? We need all this arsenal of spiritual uh, equipment that we we have at our disposal. Verse 9, now, when he ascended, what does that mean? Except he also descended the lower parts of the earth, okay? He who descended is also the one who ascended up on high, into the heaven, in all, above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. He himself gave some to be, and here's his fivefold, you know, description of the church: some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Okay, so these are gifts to the body. Okay, so for example, I can be, I can be, a gifted man a pastor in this church but what are my spiritual gifts well i could have the gift of teaching for example okay but i could also have the gift of mercy but if i'm a pastor and i'm teaching preaching then what's going to come through my message is going to be mercy if i have the gift of exhortation as a pastor when i teach and preach it's what's going to come out is exhortation let me give you an example anybody heard of charles stanley okay he has a gift of exhortation you ever notice how he gives you just these basic steps, man? It's so good. You go, that's so good. Wish I could have thought of that, right? How about Chuck Swindoll? Ever heard of Chuck Swindoll? Hey, gift of mercy. He's always telling you about, you know, I know you probably feel this way and you probably hurt this way, but let me show you how to, and they're both excellent teachers, right? They're just differently gifted men within the body of Christ, okay? But guess good news? To every one of us is given spiritual gifts. Everybody in this room has a spiritual gift, and this is not the complete list. This is just a partial list. There's probably, depending on how you count them, anywhere from 19 to 23 gifts in the Bible that are listed. Could be more. I don't know. It just lists that many. Okay? So you say, well, I don't know what my gift is. Well, here's the, you know, the quickest way to find it. Sometimes there's spiritual gift tests. You can try those out and see how they fit. But the quickest way to find it is, what do you enjoy doing in the body of Christ and you feel his presence? Usually it points to your gift. I just like to serve what do you think my gift is duh might be service you know well you know I just like to uh, okay here's a great example somebody's walking in um, and they're they're bringing us uh, a plate of dessert school of ministry on the last night okay bringing us a plate of dessert all of a sudden they trip and everything goes on the floor now how do the gifts respond well, the person with the gift of teaching would say, you know what? If you'd have just put those, balanced a little bit better on that platter, you wouldn't have lost it, right? Person with the gift of mercy says, oh, you know, don't worry about it. That happens to all of us. Person with the gift of service says, let me go get the mop, okay? Person with the gift of exhortation says, let me tell you, in the future, Gift of prophecy says, you know, they're just not nice to be around at all. You know, you know um, really, you know, that's really a, a, a bad mistake on your part. Personally, the gift of giving says, hey, let's forget it all. Let's all go down to McDonald's. and will buy everybody an ice cream cone. Now, there's a quick example of how the gifts operate sometimes in different ways in the body. Because they're not, they're looking at this from, they can all be filled with the spirit, but they're going to look at it from an angle of their giftedness. And that's why sometimes when you see someone's gift, you don't understand them because you want them to approach a problem exactly the same way you, but we can't because we can't work together that way. What if every part of your physical body wanted to be a leg? You know, you got two legs up here, got two legs down here, two legs sticking out of the side of your head. I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, Right. Or what if what if in the morning you got you got ready to get up and one of the legs says I'm not going. I'm sick. I'm sick of this walking around all the time. It's all I do is move, move, move. I'm tired of moving. I'm staying right here. Rest of you head off. Now it's kind of a silly analogy, right? Cuz you but isn't that how the body of Christ sometimes functions? They don't need me there. They got, you know, one leg is plenty. See? But you remember it's not about whether we can function it's whether we fit together in unity in the body. So there has to be this idea we experience God as individuals, but we also must experience God as a body. So that it's important for me to help you experience God, and you experience God, and you experience God, and all of us to experience God, because collectively what happens, we minister to one another. You know, Dan just reminded me, you know, he he told me a while back, he you know, said I used to pray for the, you know, I'll let you tell the story. It's got a good story. Yeah. Well, when I talk to you. It's a pretty good story. <laughs> you yeah, I'm just you got this game started, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Phil's, Phil, the, it was the first ministry class that we we had, this class. It was about healing. And, and so I told him, you know what, I always have this feeling that uh, I should pray for people. And, and I'm thinking Phil's always got something good to say. And he's going to give me some you know some story and something good and because uh, I'm telling him I, I always feel like I need to pray for the sick and I feel this going on and it, m- something when you said that men need to stand forward and they to come forward and, and and do what God's called them to do and something leaped inside of me so I come and talk to Phil about this and all he says to me is he goes Dan uh, I just really think you just need to go pray for people and he and he smiles at me and walks away I was pissed off at him for a whole week <laughs> That's it? Just go pray for people? Come on, give me something. You know, I, I don't know, I, I wanted to hear something that to justify how come I wasn't doing it, really. Because it was hard, you know, I understand, you know, all that. But what I really realized was, as as a leader, it was the first time someone had given me permission and kind of told me to go do it. Because I had talked to other pastors, and they gave me that same song and dance about yeah it's tough and we you know sometimes if it's God's will or not God's will and all that kind of stuff and and it was kind of real freeing and today I just told him I says I keep hearing your voice in my head just pray for people and so
0: yeah. and we do I, I think we make this whole thing of using our gifts we make some things so complicated so difficult we never get anywhere go do something you know my dad used to say that to me all the time I'd stand and watch him do something he said I don't care what you do But go do something. You can help me, or you can go do something. But do not stand around and just watch, right? And I almost think you know it was it was almost like a heavenly voice. You know, it's like my father sometimes says to me, you know what? What are you going to do? You're going to go pray. You're going to go act. You're going to go do something. Um, There is and there is this sense in which uh, I love this quote from uh, Joan of Arc, and I, I love studying her life. It's just so so crazy. Her story. But she she made this statement, act and God will act. Isn't that a great faith statement? When you move, God says, oh, you expect me to do something? I'll be glad to help you out. I'm sitting back, God, I'm just waiting on you, waiting on you, waiting on you. Yeah, I'm waiting on you too, son. Move. Moses, I'm waiting on you, waiting on you. Tell the people to go forward. Act. Act. And God will act. I love that. So the same thing's true when it comes to the body of Christ. Um, I always tell people, like, when you come into, like, church on a Sunday morning, if you see somebody sitting by themselves, go up and introduce yourself and possibly sit with them. Because what are you doing? You're ministering to the body of Christ, right? You're encouraging one another. Now, the guy might come in. He wanted to be all alone. He'll tell you that if he was out. Isn't that that's his mood? But minister, try to find ways to minister to people, you know, try to encourage people. I mean, if you were, if you were walking out and whether you'd been here once, you have been here a hundred times and somebody walked up to you and says, Hey, thanks for being here. I mean, I don't know your name. Probably you've been here longer than me, but just, I just want to encourage you in Christ. How does that make somebody feel? You've ministered to the body of Christ. You've used, you see, you've used some of this right here to, to help people, you know, um, I think it's really important, you know, as we're, we're, you know, we're doing this, uh, this prayer movement. We're doing it in the mornings now from 9 to, to 10.30 on Tuesday mornings. But, you know, there's going to come a point at which today we, we talked about revival and God renting the heavens. We talked about God, what God was doing and just persecuted Christians around the world and how we could uplift them and pray for them. It was a really great moment. But imagine if we, we and we will, we'll have one where we're praying for the churches in the area. Don't we want every church that really teaches the Bible and loves Jesus to succeed and succeed well? Of course we do. Why? Because we are part of the body of Christ. There may be a different expression, you know, across the street, a little different expression and down the street a little bit. But you know what? We want them to, to thrive because guess what? They're not our enemies, and we're not in competition. We're not Burger King and that's McDonald's. Right? We're all in the same franchise called Holy Spirit amen we want everybody so as we start to pray and God I just pray you know and we might pick up you know we say there's a church down there and they're just you know they they're really not teaching strong in the word of God let's just pray for them to be strong in the Lord let's just pray for them a friend of mine is kind of a neat story it happened out in Colorado Springs there was uh, his church had grown quite significantly and and had uh, done really well and and had plenty of surplus money it really did and so uh, there was a church that was within walking distance from their church. Okay, so it was, it was maybe a mile. And they'd been struggling. They'd been trying to get something going, and they were trying to raise some money. And so the pastor got up on Sunday morning, and he talked about the body of Christ and how we minister to one another. And he said, today, uh, what we want to do is all the money that comes in, we're going to count it, and we're going to write a check to the church down the street. And everybody who wants to, we're going to walk down there, give it to them before the service is over. This little church had a budget for the year about $700,000. And they walked down, there were several hundred of them that walked down there. They walked down there with a check for over $130,000. Kind of, pastor walked in, waved his hand, the pastor recognized him. They you know, thought there was an emergency. Came in and said, Pastor, we just want to tell you what we did. We just believe in what you're doing here. And had him a check that represented several months worth of Of giving in that church now let me ask you something do you think that built up unity within the community on both sides of the fence because there are probably some people that said well I'm not giving my money to that church you know there were right but think about what the effect that has and I think we when we really start understanding what the church is what we really are, I think we start looking at things differently. Um, I've never seen an ugly bride, and I've done a ton of weddings. I'm talking, I've done a ton of weddings. I did 18 weddings last year alone, okay? And if I, if I multiplied that number times how many years I've been doing this, that's a lot of brides. Then, it, then if I add on top of that all the weddings I've been to, oh, my gosh, I thought it was bad doing weddings. Man, try to go to a bunch of them, right? Right? I'm polite. Yeah, okay, uh-huh. Yeah, sure. You just almost say, I can't take another wedding. Right? Can I just send money? Um, but I've never seen an ugly bride. There's something happens on that day. I don't know what it is. It's just magical, right? They come walking down in the white, and they got the hair all done, got the makeup on right, you know. And, and I've seen every size and shape known to man. Right? color. You name it, good music, bad music. I mean, I've seen it all, but every one of them is beautiful. We are the bride. The church is the bride. God's never seen an ugly bride. You ever gone to a wedding and heard anybody say, man, that bride looks awful? Well, if they did, they ought to be slapped. Amen? Amen? That's a, they really should be slapped. Just slap them. Slap them upside the head and then tell them you love them. But you see, why don't we do that? There's respect for the bride. That's her day. That's her day. Can I just tell you this when it comes to church? we got to respect the bride. we got to honor the bride. You might look over there and see another bride and say, that bride doesn't look. No, you honor the bride. I honor the office of the president even if I don't like the one that's in, in office. I honor the office. We honor the bride. That's the body of Jesus Christ any way you look at it. I'm going to tell you a funny bride story, and then we're going to transition here in a minute to another, to a little bit more of this. So there's this couple, and they were getting married, and we had these stairs that we would push in for the weddings and they didn't quite they weren't quite lined up and so there's a little step up and every bride we had to tell them two things when you go up those stairs you need to grab your dress and make sure you get the skirt so you don't step on your dress right and the second thing we want to remind you we'd practice it three or four times there's a little lip right here and we want you to make sure and groom you have responsibility because you're going by this time you're going to have her on your arm you're going to get at the bottom of the stairs you're going to walk her up you got to make sure she doesn't trip on that step you know where this is going right So here she comes down. She's so happy. She's so proud. He's gleaming from ear to ear. You know, he can't wait to take the bride and get married. And, and he, t- he takes her by the arm. And up they go. She grabs Everything's perfect. I'm going, it's working. Everything Because I'm a nervous wreck. I'm more nervous than the brides when I do weddings. I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> right? Comes up. And I don't know what happened. She got so excited. She got this gleam in her eye. She took her eye off the step, put it on him. She hit that, that little lip. And I don't know what happened, but next thing I know, she was tumbling off the stage, down on the ground. She was setting, she ended up setting straight up, spread eagle. The veil was pulled down over her face, and the groom started to laugh. Normally it would have been a bad day, and then she started to laugh. She started to laugh. He went down there. He helped her up, pulled the veil back. Her hair was all messed up. He held her. They started to laugh. And then he said something like, let's try it again. They got it right the second time. I often think of that. You know why? Because I think how many times the bride falls off the steps. And I think Jesus sometimes laughs. He goes down. He picks us up. Puts the veil back on, says, let's try it again. See, that is, that's the heart of a bride and the heart of a groom that work together. And that's what we have to do. And God says, I'm going to give you all these great gifts that, you, that you're that you going to need. Sometimes you're going to use them well, but I want you to know when you fall off the steps, I'm going there after you. We're going back up. We're going back up together. And see in the body of Christ, if we're going to experience God, when we start to pray, let's say that we're let's say that we're going to pray for someone who's who's sick, and we say, hey, we need to pray for somebody who's sick here. What? Don't say, well, I don't have the gift, I can't pray. Do you have the spirit? Collectively, let's pray. Write that name down. Don't say, well, that was pretty cool. I hope I know those people with the gift of healing they're going to take care of her no write that person's name down and take it home and put it before the father because see we are a body we have to minister together to one another because guess what when we start doing that kind of stuff we experience there it is god together amen see how powerful that is i don't know who this guy is but i like him he's always nodding his head at me thank you brother but um but you see that's that is the body of christ that's how we have to function um Go over to uh, bottom of page 201 real quick, 201, and look at those three points right there. I, I just, I highlighted these in my book because I thought they were good. God wants his people to be holy and pure. Can we all agree with that? Okay. God wants his people to display unity. Agree with that one? Absolutely. God wants his people to love one another. Agree with that one? Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, let's see what else I want to highlight here for you. Uh, let's just quickly go over to First Corinthians twelve. I want to just pop on a couple of these spiritual gifts, if I could, for a minute. This is always a kind of a lightning thing. By the way, just so you know, um, the church at Corinth. Uh, Corinth. If you could give them a A, B, or C, what would you give them? A, it'd be like you did really well. B, you didn't do so good. C, D, or F. What do you think? Anybody know enough about Church of Corinth to give them a grade? I think uh, in my mind. They're getting a D right? They're getting a D, maybe a D minus mercy good good job. I love that well, I must have a different gift you know I'm not and I'm looking at this church and I'm thinking I mean let me tell you just how bad it was, okay and God highlighted this church as a book in the Bible. in fact, it gave two first and second, right so I think it's in chapter five um, where there's a guy in the church. Who's who's actually sinning in such a way as he is sleeping with his stepmother? Okay, don't you just love the honesty of the Bible? He's sleeping with his stepmother. He's coming to church. He's telling everybody about it, and nobody's doing anything about it. They they're probably laughing or someone saying that's awful. Okay, so Paul writes. He says, "Hey, I heard about that going on." And he said, "You know what I've done? Now, Now, okay, ready? Gift of mercy." I've delivered such a one over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh that their soul might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Ouch. Any mercy there? Doesn't sound like it, right? He said, Look, better for this guy to die than keep on. So the Corinthians, by the time you get to chapter two, they took heed to that, and they so ostracized this guy, they weren't talking to him, they kicked him out of the church. They had they had just the guy's asked forgiveness, he's tried to get it right, but they don't care. Now they say, you know that guy would be better off dead. You know what he has to do in chapter in the second book? He has to say, God, what are you doing? Love this guy. This guy's coming back. You gotta forgive this guy. So you see both sides of that. Well, when you come to different parts in here, like you know, I like to use example, um, you know where it says in the Bible, if you were if you're growing up in the south or in the Bible belt and you had short hair in the nineteen fifties, you know, like your hair right here? Okay, that would be short hair in the 50s, right? Uh, Then there'd be some fundamentalist preacher who'd say, you know, it's a shame for a woman to wear short hair. Right? And so you'd be sitting there feeling guilty, and I'm not going to church until my hair grows. But long is relative. Is it not? If you're bald, what would be long? Half Half an inch would be long, right? So Paul, if we understand what's happening there, so what was happening in Corinth was... That they had all these false religions, and one of these false religions would require, if you were a good citizen, if you were a lady, you would go down and serve at least one day as a temple prostitute. That was your civic duty. And the way that you were marked by that, they would shave your head. What was happening in the church at Corinth, they were saying, hey, I'm going I'm to go to church, but I want to be a good citizen. So some of the ladies were going down at part of their civic duty, shaving their head and acting like as a temple prostitute. So when Paul writes what he writes, he's not telling you what length your hair should be. He's saying don't associate with that. Do You see why I'm giving Corinth a D? Okay. He said, for your long hair is your glory. It shows submission to your wife. So a lot of guys go, see, I want long hair and submission. No. What he's really saying is no husband would want his wife to go do that. See the difference? So when you come, the reason I set, set this up contextually like that is I want you to understand the Scripture. When you approach, when you move through the book of Corinthians, remember, most of what he's doing is corrective and instructive, but primarily it's corrective. He's, they've got some stuff messed up. Let me give you an example, stuff messed up. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 1 Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. So, if you speak in tongues, is it considered a good thing if you don't have love? No. You know what it sounds like? It just sounds like clatter. Just clatter going on. That's clatter. Where's your love? Where's your love? And if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries of the knowledge, through the, uh, and I have all faith, so that I could move mountains and have not love, I'm what? I'm nothing. The problem, was, the problem was that they, they, they didn't have a problem with gifts. They had a problem with love. What good does it do if you have all the gifts and you have no love? And then, so see how he's correcting here? And this good stuff. I'm having a good time, whether you're not. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I feed my body, uh, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long; it is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. It thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And guess what? Love never fails. If you have a choice, always, always choose love. Always choose grace. Always choose it. It's never going to fail. Everything else fails. Everything else fails, but love never fails. You know, I can be in the worst fight with my wife, and we don't have fights. You know, because we always put baby on the end of every st- sentence. You know I love you, baby. I don't really think that's true, baby. And then you never have a fight. It just kind of works out that way, right? So, but, but we can be disagreeing, and I can just say, you know what? I love you. Now, what are you going to do with that? Right? Well, you may love me, but no, I just love you. It's the most aggravating thing in the world to drop on somebody when you're in a good scrap. <laughs> Isn't it? Because what do I do with that? It never fails. It never fails. Okay, now I'm setting the stage here, okay, for what I want to talk about. So if I go to chapter 12, let's just go to, um, to verse uh, 7. Now I'll back up a little bit. Verse 4. Okay. Um, there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit there, there are different ministries but the same Lord there are, uh, there are div- diversities of activities but all the same God who works in all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all whatever God gives you is for my benefit whatever God gives me is for your benefit my gifts are to share with you your gifts are to share with me they're not for me they're for us See, this is body life, right? For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge. You mean, well, why can't I have that word of wisdom? Because you've got the word of knowledge. Yeah, but I really like wisdom better. No, you don't get that one. To another, faith. To some, uh, uh, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, that's what I want, miracles. Miracles. To another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Well why can't I have all those? Because that's not how the Spirit of God works. Not everybody has an arm. What if everybody had the gift of teaching? Who would teach? Who would listen? <laughs> Teacher be out there going nah, it's not he's not right. I got a better talk than that one. Right? Okay, but to one, verse 11, but to one, the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as who? As he wills. Well, God says, Kelly, I think I'm going to give you that gift. Dan says, why did she get that gift? Because I knew she needed that gift, and she would be a good steward of that gift, and you'd abuse that gift. I'll be responsible. Try me. Okay, well, let's just go on here verse 12 for for Ezra is one body and has many members but all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is Christ for by one spirit were we all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks slaves or free all were made to drink of the spirit so what happens at salvation God baptizes you in the body by one spirit that's why Paul said in Ephesians 4 there's only one baptism if you haven't had baptism in the spirit you haven't been saved Ouch. Okay, now watch this. This is this is I love this this chapter. Uh, let's just go to verse twenty six. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. I stubbed my toe the other night. Got up, go to the bathroom, came back, stubbed my toe. I mean a royal stub. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I don't know how in the world that can hurt so bad. I hit the ground and what did my wife do? Anybody know? She laughed. Why do you, when you stub a toe, is that funny? I'm down on the ground, and, she, and I said, it's not funny. She said, I'm sorry. It just looks so funny. You know, that may be one of the th- one areas where if you get hurt, the other body kind of laughs. But what's our proper response if Leslie's hurting? I got to hurt with her. I got to love her. I got to minister to her. I got to. Why? Because we, there's a law of entanglement. You ever heard that? The law of entanglement. It's actually a law that comes out of quantum physics. It actually works in this whole scenario here. We're entangled, whether we like it or not. We're all members of one body. Yeah, but I don't like you. Too bad, we're entangled. We've got to spend eternity together. We might as well get used to each other. It's a law of entanglement. Christ is in all and fills all. Does that sound like entanglement? He's in all, you mean Christ in me, Christ in you? Yeah, that's Christianity. Christ in you, Christ in me, that's Christianity. Law of entanglement here. Okay, um, it says, or if, um, for if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Hey, let's just honor, you know, so-and-so over there. We should all rejoice. Instead of going, why does he get honor? You know what I think we, we're really lacking? I see it sometimes. I don't see it often. I think we, we are lacking a culture of honor we are lacking a culture of honor there's a certain culture that that existed in society years ago that it's is faded a little bit and that's you know an honor of somebody in the military an honor of somebody that serves as police or fire certain honor levels right what about the honor for one another i want to honor you Wow, you got great gifts. Thank you for serving. I mean, thank, honor. I want to honor you. Someone has said, if you help enough other people get in life what they really want, they'll help you get in life what you really want. You know what? You know what you want, but you can't ask for it because it sounds like pride. You want honor. We want to honor Dan. You know he's got gifts. You know he's hardworking. You know he's got. Does he have bad qualities? Sure, I don't know what they are, but he's got them. But but he wants to be honored. You want Leslie wants to be every one of us in this room wants to be honored. What if we had a culture where we just tried to honor one another? That's what it says, right? See, I don't even have to pray about this one. It tells me already. Now let me just show you one more thing, and then we're gonna we're gonna do go into a little music here. Okay, verse twenty eight. God has appointed these in the church. Oh, verse twenty seven. Now you're now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Okay, so there's, a, there's another little list, right? We've got some gifts there. Okay, now look at the question. Are, our apo- are all apostles? What's the obvious answer? No, not everybody's an apostle. How about all prophets? No, all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now, here's where the interpretation gets a little tricky. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. Is he writing to an individual, to the church? Makes all the difference in the world when you read that. Paul, an apostle to the church which is at Corinth. You know what the problem was? They didn't have a good variety of gifts. They needed some gifts and so they could fill up the body. And everybody was, you know, honing in on one gift or whatever. He said, no, church, you need to earnestly desire the greater gifts because, you know what, we've got to bring order to this place. This place is chaos right now. Because if God individually gives them, it doesn't matter if I desire them or not. He gives them according to He wills. But what would happen if you had a church where you had a good mix of all the gifts and they all function in unity with love being supreme in all areas. Even if I didn't didn't understand your gift, if love and unity prevailed, I would give you honor. I love that. That's a New Testament church, isn't it? I want to honor you. Wow, I I don't understand that gift, but I want to respect you and I want to honor you in that cuz love is always going to be supreme. Amen. Okay, hey, we're going to do a little bit of, we're going to transition here and do about 15 minutes of just kind of prayer and worship together. Is that okay? You guys cool with that? Okay. So we got Nathan and Kelly. A few of our people were out tonight. Drew and Whitney are headed to a graduation in San Francisco. Drew's brother. Rob is probably out with Scout. Hey, let's just be honest, right? When you see Rob, just tell him you missed him. You know, I thought he'd be here to minister to us. Where's your brother? Oh, he's on tour, so he's not out with Scout. Okay. Hey, let's, uh, why don't we just, um, how many of you were not here last week? Anybody not here last week? Okay. All right. Let's just stand together. What we're going to do is we're going to do, um, um, just sing a little bit, and uh, I'll interject a little bit of uh, prayer and scripture. We're going to do this for about 15 minutes. Um we're just going to kind of let the spirit lead us in a little bit of spontaneous worship, and we'll go from there, okay whenever they're ready we'll give, I'll just open some prayer and then we'll then give them another minute father as we uh, as we enter into this time now to pray and to worship father we we see the pattern in revelation of night and day prayer, God where you were you were allowing and directing god uh, that heaven could just be ministering singing a new song and singing holy, holy unto you. As, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And God, we just praise you tonight. We just give you glory, God. As we enter into this time, we, we just want your presence to be powerfully and might, mightily in our midst. And God, this is about you. This is not about a performance of anyone on the stage or about the words that we say or whether we're eloquent or not. God, it's just about loving you. We love you, Jesus.